ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. We interrupt this program to give you a bulletin just received from one of our naval units to see. Hello, what have we here? My God, it's full of stars. Xenopod, from the year 5000. Welcome to Xenopod from the year 5000. I am your host, Sean DeRager, and uh, it's good to be back, finally, <laughs> first episode of the year. And joining me today, very excited, we've been talking about this, I feel like, forever since I first started this show. <laughs> but uh, Aaron Newerth joins me. Aaron, what's up? Hey, I'm, I'm glad <laughs> to be here. I, I time-traveled 3,000 years to get to this point, so exactly. it was worth the trip. Exactly. Uh, Aaron, of course, you have uh, your you write for a website called We Live Entertainment, and of course, um, you do plenty of other things. So I'm going to turn it over to you to introduce yourself, and then uh, and we'll introduce the movies we're, we're going to be talking about. Well, yeah, as you said, I write for We Live Entertainment, among other sites. Um, I, I put up a lot of movie reviews over there, as well as some TV coverage. I'm currently writing about The Walking Dead for this uh, this season. And uh, my co-host a podcast with my friend Abe uh, called Out Now with Aaron and Abe, where we talk about new movies on a weekly basis. And we do a lot of fun bonus episodes, mainly commentary tracks, which we do one a month for. So, Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. I've always wanted to do a commentary track. Time has not allowed it, but uh, that is on the agenda someday for one of the podcasts I do or just for fun. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Well, you never know. Maybe we'll be able to get you on in one of our commentary tracks at some point. Yeah, I always feel like I'm never, I always feel like I'm just going to sit back and watch the movie and not really have enough to say. Or I'll just say some stupid dad joke <laughs> and ruin the whole vibe. So that, you'd, you'd be surprised how much, how many good like tangents you can go on in a comment, especially for certain movies where it really applies. Right, 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 so. right. Right. I think I it's it's kind of going against the grain because I'm always like never talk during a movie and then here there's a movie playing and I'm talking during it during <laughs> it so I'm you know it's one of those uh you know challenges I think I'm I'm up for uh soon so we'll we'll see we'll see. When did, when there's something you really admire like we did a memento commentary like oh, okay. last year and that's not a movie where you'd inherently think some random guys that have nothing to do with the making of Memento could talk for that much about it. But we had like, we ran out of time to talk about all the stuff we wanted to talk about with that one. It was a, it was a, it was a fun track to do, but it's like, awesome. yeah, we wanted to like cram everything we could in there for Memento of all things. <laughs> it was, it was a lot of fun. Very cool. Well, uh, today we are going to be talking about a couple of things. Now, uh, like I said, you and I have been talking about getting together for the show since I started this. And, and this is, this is a, a side podcast. So I've always, uh, it's been one of those things that always kind of is like the first thing to fall by the wayside when I have other things, other things going on, but I'm glad this finally worked out. And you had brought up a movie called the Congress. Um, and it's actually the title I have here says Robin, Robin Wright at the Congress, but it's also all, uh, also known as the Congress, uh, I believe a 2014, th- 2013 film. Yeah. And, uh, so we will be getting into that. And then as we were kind of talking, planning this, we both were talking about uh, Mortal Engines, and uh, we figured, what the hell, we'll talk a little bit about Mortal Engines today as well. So, two very... Box, o- box office flop and future <laughs> cult classic Mortal Engines. I think so. I think that's how it's going to go down. Um, and I was like trying to think, like, is there any through lines with this film? And I'm like, these films together, I'm like, I don't know, probably not. They're both like... <laughs> they're, they're they're dystop- there is the dystopian, dystopian future. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes okay. <laughs> that, that connects the sci-fi with both of these. They're both pretty animated. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of <laughs> yes. not real stuff taking place in both <laughs> movies. Mm-hmm. I can, I can concur 
with that. So uh, the, the, the thing I like to do whenever I start off with a, a guest on the show is kind of talk a little bit about kind of what has drawn you into science fiction specifically, since this is a podcast kind of focusing on that. Um, what's your kind of history with science fiction uh, films and uh, what is it about them that kind of draws you to uh, like a good sci-fi flick? Uh, you know, I've never thought much about like what, <laughs> where, where my origins with sci-fi specifically come from. I, I guess just as at an early age, watching things like mm-hmm. Star Wars, let alone I don't know, Terminator Two was a film that I like grew was like one of my childhood films, which I feel like <laughs> is a weird thing to say, but it's like I watched Terminator. That was like one of the what what movies I grew up with. That and Burton's Batman. So I, so, and I guess that 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 dates me right there as far as where I'm where I'm coming from. But as far as <laughs> sci-fi goes yeah like i've always been drawn to unique ideas such as that that are kind of fantastical that you know present something that's not reality but are certainly things i can i can comprehend in a way that just intrigues me so like something like time travel it's like yeah okay that's how does this work where's where mm-hmm. this coming from or something like star wars like yeah, okay i'm in space what's what's going on in here <laughs> where, where are these ideas there's planets and aliens and all kinds of stuff and I was also a big like nasa guy growing up as yeah. far as like just space things in general stuff like that so um which and right now it's been a great time for her because we had both First Man and Apollo Eleven, the documentary yeah. that's out currently, which is fantastic. So it's but like, you know, growing up I have Apollo thirteen eventually came along, but just like going, you know, learning about the astronauts and things like that, um, that's that's always been a draw for me. And so having you know films that specifically speak to the idea of interstellar travel or what have you has always been of interest. And again, you know. I'm growing up in the 90s, you know, movies like Independence Day come along where it's, you know, that's far out there. whatnot is drawing from, you know, since seeing since that I've, you know, obviously gone back in time to see plenty of other movies that are that, that movie drew from like The Day of the Earth Stood Still right. or, or Body Snatchers to a lesser extent or what have you. So it's, you know, there's a there's a lot there. I've always um, yeah. just been, been a fan of the genre and exploring more of it, especially because there's such a seemingly limitless number of ideas that you can have for this because it's all, always about, you know, whether it's the past or the future, it's always about coming up with something that's different and out there or involves innovation or invention or what have you. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I have, I have three kids and kind of seeing them grow up and like for me, like science fiction has always been, it's it's almost like in my DNA, just a child of the eighties for me. And, you know, uh, I was born in 77. So that was like, I was born when Star Wars came out. So that was like always a piece of my life. Um, and then, like, seeing my kids kind of growing up with all these, like, superhero movies, you know, like, everything that they, they go to the movies is, uh, it is a, it, there's a sense of sci-fi to everything that they go to. I mean, yeah. we just went to Alita Battle Angel, and they didn't think twice, like, oh, let's go to a sci-fi <laughs> film. They're like, we want to watch this human heads on robots battle each other, <laughs> you know, for a couple hours. Uh, and then, of course, Captain Marvel coming out, out this weekend, and... Um, or this last weekend, I guess my, my time's all goofed up cause <laughs> gearing up for, for some travel, but, um, but yeah, I mean, they're like almost everything that they watch has a hint of science fiction in it. So they don't really bat an eye or they don't really even think of genre. So it's interesting to see them kind of growing up with this and see like what, how they'll kind of define genres as they get older. Cause right it's now a, they don't, they don't care. They just want to see cool stuff on screen. It's certainly a, quite the time to be alive as a as a youngster because yeah. you have like the kind of latest and greatest technology, which is really realizing things that you know were something of a novelty back in the day. Like you know, you you'd rarely get something even like 
like the movie like Stargate, a movie I'm not a big fan of, uh, <laughs> but that's something that's unique to the time of 1994 because there weren't movies on that scale at that point. Oh, it's yeah, the, that like, movie was like that movie did really well. Just because, because there was like nothing, nothing. like it. Yeah, there's nothing out there. You know, Star Wars and to the lesser extent, the the Batman movies, because those yeah. were, you know, hundred million dollar movies at that point. Those were, were, you know, to that in that range. And I guess T2, like <laughs> there's not much like that out there. So like a movie like Stargate where people, you know, they're traveling through space or whatnot. There's massive scale things going on. There's aliens like, yeah, no one's seen something like that. So it can get by on just being new um, as opposed to now where we're going to talk about like Mortal Engines for a bit. Like that's a movie where there's a lot of other things that are like it and there's nothing here that's being added. I mean, I think there are. We'll get to it. But I mean, (laughs) it's it doesn't stick out in the same way that other movies would back in the day. So like kids growing up now and I'm sure you could relate other genres like the 80s. You have a plenty of, you know, the Amblin stuff and what have you. But like now you have movies that can bring comic book characters to life on a regular basis that you wouldn't see back back in back then. Yeah, I mean, it's almost enough to kind of uh, take it or take for granted at this point. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how these kids growing up in this time period will kind of, once they become filmmakers, what are they going to do? Are they going to do more of the same? Are they going to go just completely batshit? Or are they going to scale back and we'll have a renaissance of like 100% practical small scale films? Like, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see. So let's let's dive into the first film. Let's let's go ahead and... and, uh, discuss christian rivers debut film i mean come on man your first film and you get this uh 2018's mortal engines from the filmmakers of the lord of the rings strange to think this is what it looked like that's what happens when the earth's crust gets shattered into a thousand pieces after the war cities were rebuilt on the seas in the skies but the deadliest ones were built on wheels. What is that? That is London. This weapon can wipe out the largest city in the blink of an eye. Not if we shut it down. You sure you want to do this? Oh, man. He he made his rounds. I mean, he's he's been with Jackson since the... the, I mean, I I understand what you're saying for sure. It is, you know. (laughs) It's it's a guy... It's a dude that got $100 million to make a movie, and he's never directed a movie before. But, I mean, yeah, he's worked with Peter Jackson for for decades, essentially. Yeah, yeah. he's not just some new kid. I mean, this guy's been doing... Um, all the, uh, was it the visual design visual effects and like visual second, effects. second unit work stuff yeah. on, you know, like, like he has an Oscar for King Kong. Yeah. Like, I mean, among other things, <laughs> but I mean, what, what you're pointing out right there is kind of the issue with the movie as far as he's a new guy coming into this and he's not, you know, he's not an auteur like Jackson. He's not someone that has a kind of a directorial stamp in the same way. Right. Well, but even Jackson has had his misses. I mean, if you look at the Hobbit series, well, I do enjoy them. Um, those are bloated beyond belief, and those were kind of him, in a sense, biting off more than he could chew. I feel like, because, so with Mortal Engines, so he came in with Fran, Fran Walsh and uh, Philippa Boyens, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, I'm, I, I, I try my best here, uh, to write this film, and it seems like 
they knew what they had. This is a four book series and it seems like they tried to condense a lot. I'm not sure. I haven't read the books. My daughter is actually right now, but uh, it seemed like they tried to make a self-contained film um, and try to stay away from bloat as much as possible, maybe? <laughs> I mean, um, I, I, I would, I, I would, the film is not, there's not too many strands to be like, we definitely can't finish all of this right. Like, it does feel like a beginning, middle, and end kind of film with like yeah. some hints at where it could go if it would to get a sequel, which it probably won't. But yeah, I mean, it does, it does, it, it does feel like a completed movie. I would agree. Well, un- unlike say like Golden Compass, which yeah, I which really, is- really enjoyed the Golden Compass for the audacity of it, for the visuals, for the kind of, it's, it's a kind of a weird film and a weird trilogy, but they, they couldn't finish it, you know, and yeah. it's that that's unfortunate because I feel like that had a lot going for it uh, as a film that I would kind of seek out. But I actually um, agree. That <laughs> was one where I was like, I did want to see where that was going. And I did kind of like as messy. That movie did feel messy, but I still like dug the vibe that it had. Like, I mean, it had polar bears fighting and they won an, it won an Oscar for polar bears. This should be our next episode, by the way. We, we should just talk about hundred million dollar <laughs> franchise failures. That's, I'm, that's, I'm down that's, for that's, it, man. That's the new podcast. <laughs> I'm down for it because I feel like that I always end up loving these failures um, despite everyone else kind of hating them or mocking them or, or shitting on them. But um, hold on. Setting down my bottles, my now empty bottle of scotch. Damn it. Um so, so let's set up the plot of of this film a little bit for our for our listeners. So this is a post apocalyptic post apocalyptic world. Uh, London is a gigantic uh, roaming city on wheels, and we're kind of introduced at the beginning of the film to a colony, and then London is approaching. And the uh, colony also on wheels. Everything's the, yes, on wheels. The colony <laughs> is like a transformer. It like breaks apart into a bunch of different little smaller vehicles and scatters off. And we see we're we're we see this chase scene essentially with this gigantic city chasing a bunch of smaller city portions. I mean, just it's saying like, that alone. It's like this is crazy. It's like Mad Max and Howl's Moving Castle, like yes. combined and made something ridiculous. Like that's what we got here. <laughs> so as soon as that started, I was like, "I'm on board, man." I'm settling back. Then, you know, you have Hugo Weaving kind of uh, overseeing everything, um, and then we're introduced to our kind of main character, um, uh, Hester Shaw, played by Hera Hilmer, and uh, and things get moving plot wise and. Um, it's Star Wars. Let's just we can wrap it up right there. It's Star Wars. That's the plot of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like there, there's a kid comes from like a you know random place. the the emp- The Empire comes uh-huh. after them. They have a big weapon. They have like they, yeah. everything. They're, they're, yeah. they meet. They meet a smuggler character. <laughs> there is bonding. They go on an adventure. Like the whole thing is Star Wars. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> there, there's an aerial battle. Like, <laughs> That is so. That is very true. Very true. Um, yeah, it's dude. Not a, the, if, nearing, if you take a plot. It's not a bad plot to go from. <laughs> no, I mean it is your, yeah, and and that's the thing. Like, have you read the books at all, or looked into the books at all? Because um, I, 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 after I watched the movie, I did. Yeah. Okay. Because, <laughs> like I said, my daughter's reading them, and I'm wondering. I mean, I'm wondering if this thing was just a beast to adapt to. Like, all right, here's this property. And there's four books, and it's this 
amazing world building in these books. Um, and who's the who's the author of those books? I'd be uh, Chris. Uh, no, um, oh, I had it. Uh, Philip Reeve. Philip Reeve. Yes. Um, I mean, he's obviously built this world, and I don't know how. I mean. I mean, the books, obviously, a lot of these young, and this is like kind of a young adult novel, and a lot of these young adult novels, these YA books, they they take from a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, they And they all kind of rip each other off, and they all kind of do their own thing, and it's this kind of big industry of young adult uh, post-apocalyptic or science fiction type stories. Yeah, there's a clear formula here, and you, mm-hmm. you, know, you throw in some dystopia on top of it, you get a strong female lead, add a love story, yeah. evil villain. You know, like it's it's not breaking the any new barriers as far as like what the story's trying to tell you. Right. That's for sure. So I'm wondering if like that was kind of the main uh, the main negative reaction to it was, you know, I mean, I just when I see like a very formulaic movie, uh, I just sit back, I, I open up an, a, another beer, grab some, uh, you know, Reese's Pieces and just. I'm like, all right, cool. Let me just let me just settle in for the, for the eye candy because I know that I'm here for the eye candy. I'm here for the just kind of have a story, kind of bring me along and enjoy kind of the the world building and the set pieces. Um, did and you I'm, have that kind of reaction to this film? Is this yeah, a film did, you could I, do that with? Yeah, I I did for sure. And like, I could see why this movie failed. Like, there's no big. I mean, he, as much as I like Hugo Weaving, there's no like name star to attach to this thing. Like, it's just like here's a random actress that you don't know. Mm-hmm. She's the lead of this story that you've probably haven't heard of unless you're, you know, 13 and you're one of, you read one of the many different YA books that are available to you at this point. Like, I get it. I get why why there's not an, a built-in audience for this that's going to give it more than, you know, what it made and it didn't make much money. No. Um that said, it doesn't it cost 100 million, which yes, that's a lot, but it's also relatively inexpensive given the scale of this thing compared to other movies. Like the movie looks fantastic from yeah. a world-building standpoint and that is like that is the highlight. And I can see why Peter Jackson grew attached to this to begin with because of that scene you just described, the whole city swallowing another city thing. It's like, <laughs> I, I I would also want to see what that looks like if I read yep. that. And he's like, I I have what to, I can go make this. Like, yeah, sure. Let's see. <laughs> you know, let's see what that looks like. Oh, let's, yeah. let's, let's, uh, I'll call, what up? What up? I'll call and I'll go up there. And... That's a horrible Peter Jackson impersonation, yeah. <laughs> by the way. I'll give them a call and we'll go do it. I haven't, I haven't workshopped it. I'll, 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 work, I'll workshop it. I'll, yeah, we'll, I'll, get, we'll get back to yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but but yeah, I, I that is certainly something I attached myself. I mean, going into this, that's what I was I was looking forward to. I, I like the idea of a movie that's emphasizing big. It's like that's the the the, the whole idea of this movie is like, yeah, what if we did this but just really big? And it's like, <laughs> wow, it really it, it delivers on that. Everything is huge in this movie. Like the mm-hmm. scale is very large. It doesn't have a screenplay that kind of matches the aspirations from a visual standpoint, but I could still sit back with as you're saying sit back and relax with the idea of this movie's production design is insane like they're really trying to go for it here and i i can i can i can take in that kind of reckless abandon to just make a huge scale movie with all this wild ideas for production design at the same time the problems are quite clear i didn't glom onto them in the way that a lot of people did as far as why they don't want to you know recommend something like this because mm-hmm. yeah the, st- the story's it's lacking the character there's not many memorable people in this movie right the most memorable character is not human, and we'll talk about we'll talk about <laughs> yes. Shrike in a yep. second because yes, <laughs> but but I get it. Like, and what I was saying before of Christian Rivers as the you know the director here, it's I, I mean yeah, I, like the Hobbit movies are not my favorite Jackson movies, but they feel like Peter Jackson movies still. Mm-hmm. Like they still feel like a director that 
he he's doing what he knows how to do and it looks like one of his movies where this is it, there's a, there is a kind of a blandness to some of the stuff mm-hmm. that's going on. I do, you know, a true, you know, even though I like this movie, if you wanted to head onto that upper level, it'd be a movie that I could really like just point out things that are, you know, kind of full of wonder, kind of take your breath away or give you something that's like, wow, that was, I have not beyond the opening scene, which I have not seen before as far as city swallowing other cities <laughs> and, and the care and the entire character of Shrike. Most of it's pretty much pretty much stuff that, you know, I've seen to other yeah. in other ways before. It's still yeah. impressive, uh, you know, hey, we made this kind of standpoint. But as far as is this sticking with me in the same way that, you know, Star Wars sticks with me? No, not really. Right. I think and I think the main problem ends up being kind of the ragtag group of characters that kind of come in and out of this film, especially when you get to kind of these uh, these pirates type characters. You don't really have anyone. They're all just kind of. uh just generic kind of stock characters. Like you don't really get a feeling for relationships very much. You don't, there's not no memorable scenes. No one, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's a, I, and I, I don't, I don't like comparing like a film like this to like something like Lord of the Rings. Cause that's like the, the source material and everything is just, just upper echelon stuff. But there are scenes and the way that Jackson adapt, ad, adapts it is you, every main character has kind of a memorable character building scene um, or thread that really kind of brings you into the character themselves. And uh, I didn't feel like this movie had that at all, except with uh, with the the with Shrike and uh, and see, I'm even forgetting her her the lead character's Hester name, Shaw. Hester Shaw. Um, so with that, unless. Other than those two, like you get a lot with them and their relationship. So you can kind of kind of yeah. get the struggle there and the the relationship there. Everyone else is just kind of just reading through the script, just kind of going in. Um, well, you have characters that are. Yeah, they I, I agree with you. I they You have like the what the male lead who I if I didn't have Wikipedia in front of me, uh, I wouldn't know his name whatsoever. But like he, Robert you know, he's trying, Sheehan. Yeah, he's, he's you know, he's trying to be like you know, a foil to Hester as well as like a love interest. And it's like, okay, like he's doing his thing. Mm-hmm. And you have the, the Anna Fang character who's, who's played by, uh, uh, what, what's it, the Jihei? Korean pop star? J- Jahei. Yeah. Who, you know, is trying to be like a Han Solo type character. Like you have these, you know, people I mean, that are yeah. designed to, yeah, they're designed to be these like cool type people. But yeah. They don't have much to really grab onto as far as we don't know much about them beyond their, you know, their general look. Like Hugo Weaving, because, you know, you can recognize Hugo, Hugo Weaving. He's an actor you already know. <laughs> Plus, his name is Thaddeus Valentine, which is a pretty cool name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's fun. Well, these other characters, the kind of, they kind of just show up. Um, and they, they never have time to really breathe um, together. They're, they're moving from one place to another. Here's the setup. we got to destroy this weapon. He's building a weapon. We've got to go through all this. And they're never really given time to really gel together as a cohesive group at least at least a handful of them at least if you look at a movie any you know kind of fantasy science science fiction movie you know you have a few characters that uh i mean we're see i'm I'm comparing these to like these are like amazing films like comparing to like star wars or something like that but um but even those like even if you look at the script on those and everything and the dialogue yeah there's some goofy shit in there um that today would get ripped to shreds for sure but there's just something about the camaraderie of the characters, how they come together that sticks and is memorable. And there's nothing like that here. So 
Um, but let's talk about uh, Shrike, voiced, I guess, by Stephen Lang. I don't know. Like mocap, mocap. I guess he voice. did mocap, but you, yeah. it, it, it's it's one of those things where he's like a robot. He's not. <laughs> there's not a lot of like performance really to capture in my. Yeah, you know, I don't know. But of course, I'm I'm not I'm not a filmmaker, so I I do not know. But um, but I like Stephen Lang. I'm glad he's getting work. Um, so so let's describe this the Shrike character here. Yeah, we need to talk about Shrike yeah. because it, it, so he's like an, uh, he's he's a a robot that's made like he has a there's hum, there's a hum, there's human parts in it. It's made up of he's made up he's like an undead soldier. <laughs> They're known as stalkers. Um, they, they're, they're like robotic parts around like, I guess like a heart and a, like they, it's, so it's, it's weird. Like it's supposed (laughs) to be this cold machine, but it's built on emotion. Like it has, it like, it finds this one particularly, it like finds its emotion with Hester. Like it it becomes like his, um, his father, her father figure of sorts. Mm -hmm. And like he, he's on this hell bent mission to find her. And I guess like just bring her back with it. Like I, like there's a, he wants to, yeah, he found her when she was young uh, and hurt and, and kind and of helped raise her. Essentially. Yeah. And he wants to basically take her organs and parts and make a version, like yeah. an undead, but alive version of her so she can live forever, which I like. Yeah, it's like a weird zombie robot. It's, sorry. It's yeah. been, I haven't seen this since December, so it's, I'm trying to remember <laughs> exactly. But, uh, well, the, well it, of course she's going to run from that. Like, I'm like, I, I don't know why you think this would be a good idea, Shrike. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, he's a machine. He can only I, comprehend so much. I know, the, I guess. But the look of this thing is is amazing to me. Mm-hmm. Like, it's such a, it's, you know. Very steampunk it, Western. Yeah, it's very, yeah, it very much fits to kind of what a steampunk robot would look like. But at the same time, I'm still what that looks like and the the, the the animation work done to create it is very impressive yeah. which should not be surprising like it's coming from Weta they know what they're doing <laughs> but it's still like every time Shrike was around I was just glued to the screen I like I wanted to know more about mm-hmm. whatever the hell this was supposed to be <laughs> yeah I mean he's he's compelling as a character even and mm-hmm. and that's the thing like our most compelling character isn't even is real. a cold machine that <laughs> learned how to love <laughs> yeah yeah, no, I was pretty, uh, I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty like, I'm up and down on the film. Like, I'm I'm glad that it exists, and I'm hoping it's one of those things that kind of gets a cult following later on, and because um, like, a lot of the times movies like this will, that will happen when people start kind of, you know, discovering it on home video and stuff. Um, but, it, but it also makes me want, I mean, I would love more steampunk movies, you know, and there isn't, Steampunk is like a popular thing. Like you can on Halloween, you can get a pre-made steampunk character outfit. Um, there's the whole like when I lived in, I don't know, I don't know where this came from, but uh, but when I was, I remember living in the Midwest in Iowa, and we'd head up to Minneapolis, and there would be, we'd go to like a punk rock show, and there would be like the ska punks, there'd be the skinheads, and then there'd be like mods, and they all dressed like they were from the 30s. Uh-huh. And uh, so steampunk seems to be a combination of like the 1930s and 40s or 20s or whatever aesthetic of these mods that I remember seeing at these shows. I mean, like like the singular little what is it called a, a uh, the uh, the one eyeball uh, glasses monocle. Yeah. Yes. 
the monocles and everything and the bowler hats. Um, but like, but in like a post-apocalyptic setting and they scrape together whatever was found. And it's like, it's interesting that this kind of has that aesthetic, but uh, is there any other films that have that like kind of steampunk aesthetic? Like, I, 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 I'm like craving more. Um, <laughs> I mean, not many good examples. The Wild Wild West movie, which is terrible. That um, that's go- that go- that goes for steampunk. Um, Sucker Punch, I guess, has some steampunk yeah. elements in it. That what the Atlantis, the Lost Empire. Um, right. I guess Golden Compass kind of has some yeah. steampunk yeah. stuff going on. It's a uh, it's League, the, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, you know what? The best example I can think of it's um, the the Paul W S Anderson's th- the Three Musketeers. Um, that's <laughs> oh. a, it's a steampunk version of Three Musketeers. Yes, and, yes, and I yes. like it. I like that. I like that movie. It's it's a big like over the top campy three D action movie for Three Musketeers. <laughs> I haven't. Uh, I remember it coming out. I never saw it. So I think what we're saying is there's a lack of it's really enjoyable. good. Like and I, yeah. There's like a, a lack of really good kind of steampunk movies. There needs to be more. It's always been kind of relegated yeah, it's not, to. It's ambitious as hell, mm-hmm. um, but they never seem to really stick the landing on these films. And I think I'm hoping maybe maybe Mortal Engines will lay the groundwork someday for a, a really really amazing uh, steampunk film. I mean, fingers crossed. It, it it flopped ginormously, but I mean, it, it did. <laughs> you know, I mean, what I'm saying for, is for, once for comparison, well, for once comparison, people like. I like I want to point this out. Mortal Engines <laughs> in America made sixteen million dollars, oh, which and it, co- it cost a hundred million dollars. Oh. Peter Jackson's documentary about World War One made eighteen million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> that documentary made more than Mortal Engines, which oh. is impressive for documentary. Yeah. I think. But I mean, that's the kind of scale we're working with. Here. It's sad. It's it's sad. I mean, these these ambitious films. I mean, even like Alita: Battle Angel, that thing kind of struggled from the states. It's. It, I mean, that thing was like ridiculous how much that thing cost but um yeah but, yeah, but, but there's also everyone everyone predicted that too that's well, yeah. it's still it's still making money and made yeah. it's made almost 400 million worldwide which is yeah. it's still it's not bad <laughs> no so. okay it's, well it's doing better than mortal engines did yeah it's yeah so it's a shame it's a shame when like really ambitious films kind of fall a little bit flat but i think the main issue here i think was was the script uh and kind of the direction of the characters or was Nothing to glob onto, but but if you can look past all that, uh, and this maybe this is in a way this is perfect for kind of home video coming out so people can discover it. But in a way, it, there's another thing that I'm, I mean, I wish I would have seen this on a gigantic screen because that opening, especially, and I, and I think the opening is the most compelling part of the film. Unfortunately, like once it kind of gets that's it, yeah, it is a turn into, it turns into Star Wars and there's airships flying around, laser beams and everything and. Uh, but that beginning, that opening scene is just so epic. And there's the scale that they're working with. I mean, just in general, the scale that's being worked with here is is pretty crazy because they'll, a couple of the characters fall off, you know, they, they get off the city and they're in like a singular tire track. And it's like mm-hmm. <laughs> stretches, you know, like, I don't know. Fifty feet wide or something like that. I don't know. It's it's, it's, it's large. That's for sure. It's gigantic. Yeah, so there's I, a lot. I will of... say my uh, my my lovely girlfriend and I we did get to see it in IMAX. So okay. it was so like it was impressive to see kind of that scale on that yeah. on that you know yeah on that level like that that was that was that made the experience more fun than the movie probably would have been if we saw it just in a 
regular right. theater, let alone at home. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, I got I got a pretty good setup at home, so I'm not really yeah not fine. <laughs> so, but uh, if you're watching this on some like 11 inch screen, no. Yeah, your your Apple Watch won't do Mortal. No, Day. no, no. Try try to watch Mortal this on, on, a, on a big screen if you can. Um, I want to start moving into our next film. But is there any final thoughts you have on on Mortal Engines? I think uh, I feel like we've covered some things. I don't want to spoil a whole bunch of stuff on this thing because I don't think because no one saw it. You know. Yeah. But if they if they announce the uh, the Shrike miniseries, uh, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll be here for that. I'll watch the Netflix animated Shrike series. Yeah. Shrike Zone. I mean, it'll be called Shrike. It'll be it won't be it will be a talk show. Shrike will host a. T- it'll be sitting at a desk with like some note cards and a suit, and it'll be very emotionlessly interviewing actors about things. The Shrike Zone. Would you like? Coming would you soon. like me to take your skin? I, will, <laughs> I can take your skin and your heart. Is that okay with you? It'll be him just trying to basically talk them into turning them into a skin, some sort of skin robot suit. Yeah, it'll it'll be a lot like like, like Space Ghost, coast to coast. It'll be like that. It's just instead <laughs> with a cold, emotionless <laughs> robot. <laughs> I am all for it. Yeah, Shrike. I mean, that's a storyline. I feel like um, it, it, he almost has enough going for him. It can act. It, it can actually be its own film, uh, or even a TV series. I mean, he it, it definitely it definitely I think would lends itself to that. I mean, it's a very his life is a very compelling life. That's that's not really explored too much. There's so much mystery with him um, that he's like the only one left and there's just like this rich history that uh, we don't really see. So, I don't know. We, gotta, we have to enter the trike zone, I'm telling you. I think so. All right, so if any any LA uh, screenwriters or producers are out there, uh, just contact Aaron and make sure he gets a producer credit yeah, for that. Yeah. Or a consultant or something. Some, Shrike some zone uh, in intellectual property. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, uh, let's move into the next film we are going to talk about. This is a uh, this is a crazy film. Um, I don't. I wasn't expecting what I got, and I loved what I got. But uh, this is a film directed by. I'm going to butcher the name. Ari Fullman. Yes, oh, that's right. Yeah, you got it. Am I good? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's a film called The Congress. You had it all, Robin. Movie queen at 24. And you slammed all the open doors, crushed all the dreams. Then Aaron's condition started going downhill. Eventually, you will be completely blind. This proposal won't be on the table again. Robin Wright for Jeff Green. You were the future, Robin. You were Princess Bride. And now I'm, I'm in this situation. What situation are you in, Jeff? situation of offering you the last contract that you'll ever have. We want to scan you. All of you, your body, your face, your emotions, your laughter, your tears. And we want to own this, this thing called Robin Wright. I have to take care of my son. Robin, things are changing quickly. the new age. Once we've scanned you, there's no going back. Welcome to the Futurist Congress. So you're here too, huh? You and I are the only ones who survived. Who are all the rest? Characters. They invented it. Are you Robin Wright? Yes. At least I used to be. There is no way I can imagine Aaron in this world. 
crossed out from six months ago. To find Aaron, we have to go on a very long journey. What's on the other side? Truth. So this stars uh, Robin Wright. And Robin Wright, as, as everyone who is awesome knows, uh, is Princess Buttercup. That's pretty much all I know her as, Princess Buttercup. And she's in Wonder Woman. She's a badass character in Wonder Woman as well. She's got a house of cards in recent years. Well, that too, you know. I mean, she's like, she's a pretty good actress, I guess. You know? Well, she, I mean, she's a good actress and she certainly, she's done a lot of character type stuff. She's a good character actress from like, uh, from Princess, uh, Princess Bride onward. Mm-hmm. But like in recent years, like when she, when she got with David Fincher, essentially, because she was in Girl of the Dragon Tattoo mm-hmm. and, um, and, uh, what's it regardless like she just kind of started be, like popping up in more things and like house of cards happened at the same time and she's just been which david fincher also yeah that's the other thing of, yeah which he did like the pilots on and he kind of she kind of became like more more revered i guess uh-huh. like she's just like in more stuff these days than she was or certainly like more notable so. yeah this is a a pretty compelling kind of hybrid film it almost feels like two films in one and i want to kind of uh, talk about the cast on this. Uh, you have Robin Wright, as I mentioned. Harvey Keitel's in this. Uh, John Hamm uh, play, is in this. Cody Smith McPhee, Danny Houston, Paul Giamatti. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. like, how did they all get involved in this film that I never even heard of until you told me about it? I mean, where was I? How did I miss this? I mean, you know, it wasn't a... <laughs> <laughs> it was the big mainstream film. I mean, but it like, seems something right in my alley. Dollars. Like, I'm like, how oh, did I sure. not hear about this? Yeah, it's wild. Like, I, so I, I heard about this one because I, I was a fan of Ari Fulman's previous film, Waltz with Bashir, okay. which is, um, it's another, it's a, it's a fully animated feature, um, that it, it, it's really interesting. It's really neat. It was, it was up for an Oscar the, the year it came out and it's, uh, it t- it takes this uh, these memories of a of a soldier trying to kind of deal with a past during a a, a war in Israel, and it, it's really neat stuff. Like it's a neat film to check out. I certainly mm-hmm. recommend it. Yeah, and so I was definitely. like, okay, what's his, his follow up film? And I was like, what? It's a sci fi story <laughs> like, that's doing everything that it does. Yeah, I was all aboard. Like wanting to see what this is going to be. Now this is like like I said, the the plot for this is is pretty crazy. And like I said, it's it's one of those films that I'm like. I need to find time, carve out some time to watch this again because there is so much going on. There's so much even that seems to be even more relevant today than it was in 2013. Um, I'm going to start the plot synopsis off and then I'm going to hand it over to you to kind of finish because <laughs> I'm, sure. yeah. I'm always pretty awful at doing uh, plot synopsis. And this one's so, in a way, complicated that I, I want to make I want to make sure we don't miss anything. So. Uh, it basically the start of this film is like Robin Wright plays herself and she's being asked to uh, s- basically sign her life away um, to become a kind of digital actress to be used in whatever the studio would want to use her for. And that way she can, I guess, retire and they can just use her likeness for anything, which 
uh, like I said, like now in, in 2019, this seems like something that that would actually happen. Like I can see this actually being a thing. And we watched like Rogue One, for example. You get a yes, a Peter Cushing in that movie. Peter Cushing's not alive. Like yes. he made a performance. Like he's yes. There. Um, so yeah, that Carrie Fisher's po- going to be in Episode <laughs> Nine. Like you know, I know. I uh, allegedly they're using unused footage, but yeah, yeah, you never know. I guarantee they're going to do some digital trickery that they're well, not talking they, about. They, they have to. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so so the first part of the film is basically a lot of it is kind of this this discussion with um um about this whole kind of between yeah know, between Wright and uh, Wright and her manager who played Harvey Harvey Keitel plays her, yes, her manager and like yes. whether whether or not to kind of go through with this and what that could mean for her. Yeah. So it's a, and then, and. That is a very interesting scene, collection of scenes and conversations. Um, Because she's basically saying like, hey, you're kind of like a washed up actress. Like, yeah, you've kind of appeared in some good things, but you've kind of fucked over your career because you've made bad choices. And, you know, maybe this is a way for you to kind of make some money and retire and kind of move on. Um, yeah, it takes a really harsh stance. Like, it's certainly, yeah. it's, it's Robin Wright playing a version of herself. Right, not the, not, right. She's not playing, like, her. I, like, I mean, I was getting playing, upset. I was like, whoa, yeah. whoa Har- Harvey. It's like, Harvey. Yeah, this, this movie is, no. it's, it's going harsh. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, like it, it starts with, like, her being told, like, her career's over, and she's mm-hmm. crying, and it's like, this is really sad. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you, you get, like, the idea that it's, there's some, there's Holly, there's a lot of kind of satirical Hollywood elements. In. Right here you have i mean the studio is called miramount you have danny houston <laughs> playing a a weinstein type yes. um like so there, there's some there's some obvious choices they're making as far as what yes. they're trying to show you <laughs> and also kind of a, a side note her son um has uh a hearing he's either going deaf or he has some hearing loss um that that is also part of kind of the, the plot in, in a sense but um so I want to turn this over to you and how, so how do, how do they transition uh, into this real world scenario into an animated film? How, so explain, explain to our listeners how this it, it somehow connects. Cause I had, I don't know when I first was reading about it, I was like, how are they going to do this? <laughs> yeah. So the first, the first half of this movie is devoted to, I forgot it's the half too. I thought it was like yeah, much sooner. Yeah. It's pretty, it's half, half, it's half the film. Man. But yeah, it's the first half of this movie is devoted to like Robin Wright considering whether or not to do this thing. And obviously mm-hmm. she does because just look at the poster for this movie. Like that's, that's what's <laughs> going to happen. Um, and so the, the second half picks up like 20 years later after she's agreed to sign over her likeness to being, you know, digitally used in film, um, which, which comes with stipulations, which I actually think is kind of neat. Like there's, right, she, right. she has a contract that stipulates what kind of movies she can be like, associate you know in and what have you which leads to a conversation about sci-fi which is pretty clever where it initially in the contract that she's trying she puts in like no sci-fi because as harvey Keitel says it's a dumb genre which is like yeah. <laughs> yeah. and like danny houston has a whole thing where it's like lord of the rings no one no one can read that but they'll see the movie like it's a whole <laughs> he gives. i uh, laughed yeah i generally lol'd at that part she she does relent and they do a they do they do allow sci-fi and so 20 years later her digital likeness has become like this huge star including in a sci-fi series called Rebel Robot Robin um, yes. and and so in in that 20 years it means her contract is like about to expire and so she's going to a city that's populated by people who are all 
all using animated avatars of themselves. Yes. And so, like, as she crosses the border, she takes some, like, you know, liquid or what have you to kind of design her own avatar, and she's suddenly transported into this whole different world that is completely animated. Which is crazy, and, and it's a crazy little shortcut. They just use basically drugs. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, because when I was thinking about it, as I was, as the movie was going along, I was like, "How are they going to do this? Is she going to go into a machine like the Matrix? Like, what's going to what's going to happen?" And they just they just solve it with, "Oh, just take a pill or whatever." Yeah, it's it's like if uh, Bob Hoskins drank something in Who Framed Roger Rabbit when going into town, and instead of being drunk, he turned into a cartoon version of himself. Right, <laughs> that's, right. that's what happens. <laughs> and, and, so, yeah, and, the and whole, they don't really this, explain this it. Is, like, yeah, they they don't they don't really go, oh, hey, oh, we're going to explain how this works. It's just, as far as I can tell, uh, they yeah, no, just it's kind, big, of, kind of, it's just it's kind a of, big go along with it type of thing. Right. As far as like, yeah, this works. That's, you know, you just took the thing <laughs> and now you're animated. Like, that's how it happens. <laughs> and so, yeah, the, the, that, that half of the movie is devoted to her trying to understand what to do next because it's 20 years later, the technology's changed a bit and she could either kind of re-up her contract to continue this, although there are new kind of wrinkles to what was happening before, or she could make another decision, uh, which kind of leads it down the path that continues to go on to the mm-hmm. throughout the, the second half of the movie. Right, right. And there's there's like rebels involved. Uh, yeah, there are those John- that are against the um, the uh, the way Hollywood's ideas are taking <laughs> over. John there yeah he's like an he's an animator um, who who wants to help robin um oh john him yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't didn't realize it was john ham at all until i read that oh that's his voice but uh, i went at the first time i watched it was like who that sounds so and then i'm like oh that's john hambo i call him john hambo like there he is that's that's me so i was like i'm trying to picture this right now so i mean this movie deals with so many like there's so many philosophical ideas thrown into this film uh that it deals with and it deals with with in a way where it doesn't unlike like more a movie like like mortal engines where everything is kind of stripped to the bone and you're just kind of taken on this ride uh this this film it wants you as the as the viewer to do some heavy lifting with with everything um with kind of her struggle and that these conundrums that she's finding herself in, um, and uh, I, I feel like I feel like it's not heavy-handed, but there's enough there that I'm like, this does warrant some rewatches. And you've seen this a few times, correct? Yeah, I saw it. So I saw it back when it like first came out because I was like, yeah, I want to see the new Ari Fullman film. Mm-hmm. And then I watched it again pretty quickly because mm-hmm. um, I was like, I want to see, I want to realize that more. And then, yeah, I, I I own it now at this point. And so I I watched, I think I've, this is probably my fourth time total that I've watched the film um, in recent, when I watched it like yeah. last week or whatever. What have been some kind of takeaways have you as as you've kind of rewatched this have you because for me that's a sign of like a really good film is when you can kind of take more and more away from it um on both like a plot level philosophical level and everything um and there's there's very few films that do that a lot of films for me are kind of one and done um mm-hmm. there's very few that i can kind of they rewatch and get more out of what has been your experiences as you've rewatched these have you found any new takeaways any aha moments and anything like that I mean, in terms of, you know, like what I'm emotionally taking away from it or what like I'm getting from it from like a, what it's trying to 
what, what the plot's ultimately trying to do. Like, I'm not taking too much far for that. I haven't already. It just, it's nice to kind of relive the same uh-huh. kind of thoughts or what have you. Okay. But in terms of like watching how it's constructed and what have you, like, I think it, it's a movie that, you know, it demands attention. Yeah. Like, it's not a movie to watch in the background. Um, it's a movie that you really want to kind of pay attention to because of there's so much going on. Espe- I mean, especially in the animated that's half for a good reason. Cause there's so much visually to kind of take yeah. in. And so this time watching, I took notes this time just because I you know, was doing this podcast. I was like, I want to make sure I'm kind of jotting some of these things I'm noticing down a you're little a better, bit more. Uh, but you're a better podcaster than I. <laughs> well, I, 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 I always start taking notes and then I just give up. <laughs> no, I hear you. Like, I don't, I don't take notes. I don't like when I go to screenings run, I don't take notes. I take notes right. for very few things. And this is when I was like, well, I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> so it's nice to just have like a handy thing in front of me to look at as far as like what I specifically remember. But it, like the animation stuff you have, like there's there's a lot of neat design, like the the population of people like within the animated world. They have this like old Disney cartoon look. Yeah. Which I think is very deliberate, like just the way they move and the way the faces are drawn and stuff like they're especially when she initially gets there. You really kind of right. see that. And I was kind of noticing that a lot more this time around. Um and uh, like I, so I jo- I jotted down several movies I was thinking of as I was watching it this time, just because I was I wanted to think like what are coming to mind as I watch this, and I, I put down <laughs> like Eternal Sunshine, mm-hmm. uh, Synecdoche, New York, Snowpiercer, The Truman Show, Brazil, mm-hmm. and I wrote Solaris, and which made a lot of sense to me, and then I realized. Oh, this is based on a short or a story by Stanislaw Lem, who wrote Solaris. Oh. So like, well, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> like this, like it, they, I, I what, from what I've read, the book of, that the Congress is based on and the movie itself are not very much the same at all. Like it's just some basic concepts. But in terms of what it's trying to do, um, as far as giving you this kind of dystopian future that has a lot of different things, like you, you, you you keep progressing into the future in this movie more and more. Yeah. And it becomes more and more abstract at that point too. Like, you yes. know, like it's less like, you know, the first half is live action and it's very clear what the, you know, what the plot's supposed to be. It's like, will Robin sign this thing and do this thing as it goes on? You're like, okay, now we're in an abstract animated world where the things are getting trippy. She's having, you know, nightmares and dreams and whatnot. Then it goes even further in the future. It's like, okay, now like consciousness is like a whole new thing. <laughs> and whatnot. So it's, like, yeah, yeah that, that's a lot like something like Solaris or, you know, what have you. There's there's a lot of bizarre ideas going on. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, they if there's any new takeaways, it's just, yeah, it's just like random animation stuff that I noticed as far as what's being kind of portrayed, how the drawings are being shown to kind of give you a sense of what's happening. And just, uh, I don't know. Things I can't necessarily put into words, but just, yeah. you know, I, you know, it's it's been a few years since I last watched this movie. So I've grown up a bit. <laughs> so it's like just kind of like, OK, that that registers a bit more as far as being more of an adult than I was, right. you know, years back. So. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I, I love that. Uh, I, I think it that's Tom Cruise that keeps kind of showing up every now and then. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, there's like a good joke where. Yeah, it's like Robin it. Wright and Tom Cruise are like the only two people that are kind of like still around yeah. that did this. <laughs> and he does they don't identify him as Tom Cruise, they just have him dressed as Top Gun and he's con and he's constantly smiling. Right. <laughs> so, I was like I was like, I think that's Tom Cruise. That's yeah, Tom Cruise. <laughs> and he, it's almost like a cross like between like Jack Nicholson. Yes, it was like a cross between like Christian Slater, Jack Nicholson, and Tom Cruise. Like the eyebrows oh, sure. are way exaggerated, but but after a while you're like, Oh, that's Tom Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty great. Um, 
But yeah, I would I would definitely man, I would I would recommend this movie to anyone who ha- anyone who hasn't seen it. And I'm feeling like and I don't know, like in 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 your circles, you feel like this is still kind of a lesser known film like like we all heard about uh Waltz uh Waltz for Bashir Bashir Waltz from Bashir Waltz with Bashir yeah Waltz with Bashir oh, Yeah cuz it, it got more acclaim I mean it it was right. something different for one thing like it's you know it's an Israeli film where this is like okay this is like his kind of it's still not necessarily American but I mean it has American actors or what have you yeah. it's, in, it's in English yeah um, it's and but yeah it's like it 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 got more mixed reviews um mm-hmm. which I think is always kind of encouraging cuz that means people are having like well, it's a bonkers film. Like this is you not know, a divisive ideas standard film. Like, well, yeah, exactly. Like so, you know, something that to me, something that gets, you know, you know, sixty or seventy-five on the Rotten Tomato score means okay, not everyone's like over, you know, over the moon about this, which makes it interesting in my mm-hmm. eyes. It's like okay, so there's there's ideas here that not everyone's agreeing on. That yeah. that that's intriguing to me. That like not not everyone's agreeing that it's some kind of master. That's not a bad thing either. If a master movie's a masterpiece, it's a masterpiece or what have you. You know, if if, if uh, Mad Max gets ninety nine percent, good. <laughs> I'm not gonna argue with this. <laughs> <laughs> But this movie, yeah, it has, you know, ideas that are kind of out there and not everyone's necessarily going to wrap their head around and be like, yeah, this is perfect. No, it's mm-hmm. kind of, it's weird. It's a weird movie. Well, I don't even say it's perfect. I, I I do think it has its its flaws as far as how it's trying to communicate everything mm-hmm. to us, but mm-hmm. it's still far more intriguing than a lot of other things that I see that are, you know, trying to kind of build some kind of sci-fi world or what yeah. have you. Yeah, no, it definitely, it definitely has, um, it has ideas and it doesn't, it definitely wants you to put in some work. Um, and, mm-hmm. and for me, those types of films, you know, sometimes they take a few, especially the older I get, I mean, I got three kids. I got, I can't give a hundred percent devotion to a film when I watch it for the first time. So a movie like this, is going to be like, I'm going to have to revisit this because there's so much to kind of take in. And, um, but I feel like overall films like that are more rewarding. They kind of, last for longer sure. yeah. in 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 like the consciousness uh, uh-huh. of someone who really likes a film like this and i feel like you know um when i was younger say like because in college i feel like i watched more kind of art house films like this and really took a lot more away because i was like my brain was just on overdrive at the time i had no other responsibilities other than school uh-huh. and maybe a, some part-time job um whereas now it's just like you know, I'm I'm flooded with information on a daily basis. My daily, my day to day is so busy. And so when a movie like this happens, it's like, oh shit, I gotta work. <laughs> I gotta work right now. I can't just kind of turn my brain off and and watch this. You know, and so uh, I know what you mean. Like a lot of people's favorite movies, I'd say, come from both when you're young and when you're in college, and yeah. you kind of move away from the ones that you're young, and you kind of stick with the ones that you found in college. You rewatch some of those later on, and maybe you have some new revelations about what you liked or what have you. Just given how you know your own temperature changes or how cultural climates change as far as certain movies but for the most for the most for the most part you at least get a sense of the kinds of things that you really respond to mm-hmm. more even if you can't kind of register with it the same way when you're as you said so busy with other things you know it's hard to kind of go on you know stick with something as, as easily so my question with this with this film when there are cartoons are they actually interacting with the persons like like or or is it all just a consciousness thing? Like, are they really fucking? Is her and John Ham like? I'm sorry, Dylan, <laughs> the character Dylan. Are they really having sex, or is it just a a a a brain thing? How how does all that get connected? You know what I mean? 
I mean, <laughs> this is the stuff like, it's not about. like an it's not like an avatar, <laughs> like the movie avatar scenario right. where like it's, you know, it's not like she's in like a chair somewhere just like plugged into the matrix or what have you. Like it's like they're they actually are. There's a there's a physical presence somewhere. It's just everything is like seen through a screen, essentially. Mm. So they're all they're all making a version of themselves okay. or whatever they want. Especially so they in the still are. Further, they're they making are, versions of themselves. Okay, so they still are interacting with the world. It's it's like, but there is like kind of this, and there's this animation kind of. Uh, yeah, there's an animation filter over filter. everything. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, which is okay. Which is it, it gets it gets especially in the kind of the latter third of the film when things are you know really going in new directions or right. what have you. But like, it, but it, it's certainly trying to present the idea that yes, the if there were no drugs or what have you there, everyone would be you know interacting with each other physically and look however they really look or whatnot. Because the laws of physics are kind of yeah, at, they're pretty wobbly. So yeah. It's, but I mean, the movie is obviously, you know, it's very yeah. heightened. So like, yeah. it's hard. so it's it's another element of you just kind of have to go with it. Uh, I mean, and, and I did. I mean, it's just it's just uh, it's just funny because the way my brain works is just like stupid stuff, <laughs> stuff like well, that. And, yeah, and well, and that's there is a I don't know if I want to call it a benefit, but that's what comes when you get you know an international director involved as yeah. opposed to you know the things that we look at as Americans where we watch movies and there's a there's a a space and reality that you're kind of you can kind of familiarize yourself with something like anime, which this movie has a lot in common with mm-hmm. as far as the animation stuff goes. Mm-hmm. Like you know, you, you there's a freedom to explore. There's a magical realism that comes into play, or what have you, that you can you know use to bend the rules a bit. You can move or you can move around differently than you could in a straightforward you know action movie or drama or you know a real world thriller. Essentially, you can kind of play with it. So you know, in this world where people are literally taking drugs to get them out of the physical realm and into an animation one. Yeah. Things are going to be a little bit, a little bit weird. It's going to get weird. In there. <laughs> and they also, they, I mean, they do play with time because she is, uh, in a sense, like frozen for a while. Yeah. Um, cause yeah. she's basically, um, does she have like a mental illness or something like that? She has to kind of wait until they can find a treatment for There's whatever some, she has. An event takes place mm-hmm. that, that, I'm trying to give too much away. I know, yeah, I don't want it either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's, there's something that takes place that causes her to get kind of stuck in the animated version mm-hmm. that she's in, and so they have to, do, yeah, they have to freeze her in time until they can figure out how to solve that problem. <laughs> and so, and at that point, once it gets to that part of the future, that's when things get even weirder as far as how to understand things. Yeah, when, because when consciousness becomes like that's at that point, that's when consciousness becomes more of its own entity as opposed to the physical being. It's right. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, like I said, like there's so much going around with this film that it's uh, and that's and that's why I love it. I love films like this. I wish I had time to really dive in and really, really uh, digest this film, which I know I will. I mean, this, this is a film that I know that I'm, as my kids grow older. My my daughter's 13. She's obviously she's shaping up to be um, a fan of film, and and she's, I know that she's going to be pursuing you know, film and everything. And this is one of those films that when she's high school or college, I'm going to be like, hey, check this film out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's on the list of things to be like, look, you need to watch this film um, before you have anything else consuming your brain. Like, this is uh, definitely something worth worth taking in. And it's always refreshing to kind of, uh, to, to see a film like this, whether it's, uh, whether it hits all the marks or not. I mean, for me, I feel like, you know, um, I feel like the negatives to this 
this film would be something like it's just it's, it's not heady. <laughs> it, well, it's heady. It, you have to work for it. And um, but as far as like, I couldn't think of any logical errors or any script errors. Like this is a, a pretty, it's it's a it's a dense script, but it's not overly dense. It's uh, it is a it is a simplistic story in a sense. But there's a lot more at there's a lot of things kind of at play, I mm-hmm. guess, uh, through the characters and through the interactions and philosophically. But it's not too confusing. It's not. I mean, you can you can hit all the beats, but um, there's just a I don't know. Like I, is this film really really stuck with me? And and I wanted yeah I wanted to thank you, man, for bringing this to my attention because, like I said, I I never heard of it, and it's uh it's a film I think a lot more people should check out it was released with on draft house films yeah um it has a I, solid uh blu-ray uh, yeah which i have that's some good extras of like interviews and whatnot so it's yeah it's worth it's worth worth checking out for sure as far as kind of getting some additional content if you kind of rent the blu-ray or whatever yeah which i feel like nerds like us like all of us have always paid attention to the draft house draft house film releases and uh, i got a few reason, yeah I for mean, some reason this, this one flew under the radar maybe just because it wasn't just one of those crazy bonkers crazy films like the was it the visitor yeah or yeah. uh yeah or what was that other one that 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 uh oh gosh i mean as far as draft know. house goes i have like i have the fp and um <laughs> right and miami connection miami uh, connection that's what i was thinking of miami connection i, I mean the this invitation, isn't which is wildly a, different but still. right like this isn't so, bonkers <laughs> like miami connection or the fp this is definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's not this a, is definitely. Yeah. I would say this is a a hard sci-fi film, and hard yeah, by hard sci-fi, movie, I mean, it's, it's camp. It's not a campy movie by any means. Yeah. Those are the way those are. This is one that's one of their kind of serious releases that they put. Out. But there is <laughs> like, but there is like subtle camp in there. Like there is oh, sure. that I sense mean, of you're humor. You're in an animated in world. You're gonna have some fun with that. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah. You're not but wrong. even <laughs> but even with like the you know mirror mount and all that like there is yeah. that it's it's uh yeah there's, I don't know. Some, there's some satire in there yeah that, that's that yeah that works. really appreciate the satire to the film I want so, to I want to point out three things that I really like about this movie yes um one is Robin Wright who's very good in it yes. I mean I think it's it, it takes a lot for and like she hasn't done sci-fi like I think Princess Bride is like the closest he's gone to mm-hmm. you know something fantastical like so you know she she jumped into she saw this script apparently and just jumped into it um. Uh, but but she you know she has to play a variety a range of different things in this movie and I think she does a great job. I also think Harvey Keitel is terrific in the first yes. half. He has he especially he has this whole monologue where there's yes. a point where Robin Wright has to kind of get herself scanned for this thing and it's oh. it's kind of hard for her to get the all the emotions required for the mm-hmm. machine that's doing this and so mm-hmm. Harvey Keitel gives like just a great monologue and. It's just really good stuff. Like I think, is I I think Arvik Alto is like a. He, I think he's a terrific actor. I think he's because he came around the same time as like De Niro and Pacino yeah. and Nicholson and whatnot. I kind of feel like he not necessarily got the short stick of it, but he's certainly you know he's <laughs> he's an intense guy. He's one of those method. He's a method guy like De Niro is, mm-hmm. uh, but he he certainly has a specific kind of attitude, which doesn't make him too rangy, which I guess is part of why he's just doesn't, although he's been like these Wes Anderson movies the past couple of years, regardless, uh, <laughs> I, I think he's a good actor and I think he's very good in this movie. I think that, he has a great like portion in that set in that first that half. scanning scene is, mm-hmm. is one of the best, um, kind of monologues I think I've seen in recent memory. Yeah. Um, and he, it's a, it's a great sustained sequence for yes, sure. Definitely. And, and the last thing is um, the score by Max Richter. I think it's terrific. Mm. I, I think it, it adds a ton to this movie as far as helping you 
helping you be on on the same level as the kind of the tone and atmosphere that this movie's going for. I think it gives you a lot to work with. I think he, he also scored, um, Waltz of Bashir yeah. and he's done, he's, he did, he scored the, the leftovers, that TV show. He's done a lot of things, um, in recent years. He's kind of come along since the like mid two thousands. He started getting more popular, but I think he's a good composer and I think he does a great score here. Awesome. Yeah, this is, this is definitely, it's on my list for when I, when we get to the end of the year, everyone's doing their lists. Is it going to be on the top of my film discoveries lists for sure? If I finally sit down and do a list, I always oh, well, cool. drop the ball. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite discoveries so far in this very, I mean, this year's flowing along though. Good God almighty. But, um, mm. but yeah, it's definitely one of my, uh, top, uh, discoveries of, of the year. So cool. Um, well, we need to start wrapping up the show here, but, um, I'm trying to think. I think I've said everything I need to say about the Congress. Um, if you haven't seen it, watch it. Uh, definitely, if you're a fan of harder sci-fi, uh, there's a lot to chew on. Um, but even if it, I, whenever I say hard sci-fi, there's certain people that kind of get scared. They're like, oh, I don't know. Um, but I even I even feel like even if you're on the middling, if you like a good drama or a good story um, and good character films, I feel like there's a lot to chew on in this film and you're going to get a lot out of it. Um, yeah, so I like would, I, I, I named it. some, I named some films earlier, like mm-hmm. Zanakaki yes. or Brazil or the Truman show. Like I think yes. if you're a fan of those films, I, I think this is, you know, kind of right up your alley. Definitely. And I feel like there's a few people that, you know, anyone that's listening to Xenopod, <laughs> like, I feel like <laughs> probably has at least some familiarity with the movies I named. So I'd like to, yes, think, yeah. yes. <laughs> some good yeah, examples our, of what you can think of when getting into something like this. Our listeners definitely, uh, I mean, we talk about bullshit on the show. We've talked about the explorers and things like that. But I mean, uh, oh, I know. Yeah. this may be, from my recollection, um, the hardest sci-fi we've talked about. But I, I do want to dive into more, you know, I, I want to, especially this year, want to kind of dive into some hard sci-fi stuff and uh, and get all philosophical and shit. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, this, was, this posed interesting questions. Um, you know, where, where does the, or, you know, like... Okay, she scans her life away. Is that and I and I had I, for a while I was like, well, is this like the scanned character? Are we watching the scanned? You know what I mean? Or are we watching like the, the real person? Like where, you know what I mean? Like where is the real person? Is she just mm-hmm. retired and or is her you know or is there consciousness you know with the scanned character? It, it kind of brings up all these questions, you know, and like what if you signed your whole likeness away to be used i mean how like what does that mean (laughs) you know like it never really dives into like oh here's like she's working at trader joe's now um you know like doesn't go there but it it leaves a lot of kind of these questions at least for me and maybe i smoked a little too much uh something when i watched part of it but uh you're not wrong for thing i mean when we're know, wrapping up but, but i mean there's some there are some good ideas that presented <laughs> that as you mentioned early on are not out of the realm of possibility as far yeah. as where we are today yeah i mean there you know, the idea i mean th- even the movie itself is basically doing it by having an animated presentation with you know the actors voicing these yeah. characters <laughs> like but like the idea of yeah taking actors you know likeness what have you and presenting that as its own commodity again while the other real person's still out there i mean you mentioned working at trader like that's a real thing like you like there whoa there was that whole story about the, the guy that you know is an actor but somebody found him in trader yes. and seemed to like shame him for it and then like he you know it's it's like yeah you know me for this thing and that thing exists out there but i'm a real person over right here like i right. gotta do my thing so right yeah yeah there's and and 
Yeah, I, I, I really think that the the things that this movie poses are going to be actual real things that actors are going to have to they they already are and uh, mm. to to deal with. I mean, the estate of Carrie Fisher's dealing was dealing with that, um, and even like like he's mentioned, even with Rogue One. Um, so this is definitely something that is a real thing that is going to be, I think, more and more um, out there to discuss. And uh, but this film, I think, really handles it well. And like I said, it doesn't spell everything out, so it's just fun to kind of think of the possibilities. So, um, Aaron, Aaron Newerth, thank you so much for joining me on the uh, on the Xenopod. Thank you for having me <laughs> to talk about these films, Mortal Engines and the Congress. I think we can uh, we can say, look, if you want a fun popcorn time, check out Mortal Engines. Uh, it's it's it's, it's an eye candy film. And enjoy enjoy some uh, some treats and and watch it. But if you want something a little more of, of substance, definitely the Congress is, will be your jam. So we and and, and uh, come coming soon. Uh, Shrike Zone. Don't don't miss yes. out on that as well. Yes, Shrike Zone. Uh, like I said, as long as like if you're a producer and everything, you're listening. Contact Aaron. Uh, he'll have the contracts ready to go for consulting and for uh, producing. Writes, uh, I mean, executive producer is fine. I would imagine. Yeah, EP. Yeah, just, I'm not greedy. You know. <laughs> uh, Aaron, is there anything uh, before we take off here? Anything you're working on right now? Any? Uh, what are the the? You know, uh, again, podcast and the website, so people can uh, find you and uh, where can they find you online and all that. Good sure. Stuff. Yeah, my uh, everything that I write uh, ends up on my personal blog, thecodeiszeke.com. Um, that's every, everything that I kind of do ends up over there. But all my main stuff is my written movie reviews, which are at weliveentertainment.com. And of course, there's my podcast that I co-host out now with Aaron and Abe. You can find that wherever you can find podcasts. And you can find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. There we go. All right. Thank you all for listening. We'll talk to all of you next time. I have no idea what I'm covering. So you'll be surprised as soon as I am. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye.